most blessed day it is. I bring you greetings from the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I am the voice of one in the wilderness of this world and life, crying, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight every crooked path. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Today, we shall be discussing a matter which is extremely crucial to the life of every Christian. Indeed, without this aspect in the Christian's life, he will be grossly ineffective and roundly defeated. Now, every human being uh, on earth needs his five senses functioning properly to be effective and to be able to function optimally in his daily life. Now, he needs his sense of smell, his sense of sight, his sense of sound, his sense of uh, taste, and his sense of touch to be working effectively. Now, where this is not happening effectively, where there are deficiencies, the fellow will not be able to function appropriately, not be able to function properly. In fact, even the most menial tasks will become a major challenge for him. For example, if a man cannot see properly and does not have glasses, you will discover that reading a simple and otherwise simple task will become a very, very difficult task. And so he will need a pair of glasses to be able to help. Somebody who is not hearing properly will need hearing aid. Otherwise, no matter how much uh, interested he is in a discussion, he will not be able to hear. And then when it comes to smelling, if a man has cold, we know that his nose, his nose, his nostrils gets blocked and he's unable to smell things. He will need to be treated so that he can again be able to smell things. And if, if for example, you take a hot, very hot cup of coffee or something that burns your tongue, you discover that after a while your tongue loses its ability to, to taste things. And you will need to allow the tongue to heal before you can taste things again. The same thing with the hands. If your hands have been stuck in a place for a long time and you want to move it, after a while you realize that your hand is numb because the blood has um, stayed in one place. It's numb. You will need to allow the hand to re, uh, get, get its blood circulating again before your sense of touch can return to you. Now, for a Christian, only one thing is needed. His ability to hear from God. This is very, very crucial. Every other thing takes up from the ability of the Christian to hear from God. For example, the Bible tells us in um, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, if a man is not able to hear from God, he will not be able to exhibit faith. He will not be able to appropriate faith that he should be appropriating and live accordingly. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through to 42, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through to 42, the Bible says, Now it came to pass, as they, that is Jesus and his disciples, went, that he, that is Jesus, entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And, his, and she, that is Martha, had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was combat about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. 
You see, Jesus had come to visit Martha and Mary, the sister, was there. And what had happened was that whilst Martha was busy trying to arrange the things for serving, Mary sat at Jesus' feet and listened, heard his word. She was more interested in hearing from God than serving about. It is important that Christians understand this thing. It is good to serve the Lord. There is no doubt in my mind that we are saved so that we can serve. However, to serve without having heard from the master is to serve amiss, is to serve in vain. So it is crucial, it is important that the believer tunes himself to be able to hear from God, to be able to hear the word of God. This is crucial because we are serving a living God, a God who desires to communicate with his children. He is not an idol that is dumb. He is a God who wants to speak to his children, who wants his children to hear him, and he wants to see the children act accordingly and appropriately. It is therefore crucial that everybody who is a Christian is able to hear from God. Now, hearing from God goes beyond just hearing the sound of words. It has to do with hearing correctly what God is saying. Secondly, it has to do with being able to correctly interpret what God has said. I believe the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, that we should be able to rightly divide the word of truth. This is, we must be able to correctly interpret what God is saying. Then we must be able to accurately comprehend what God is saying. And finally, we must do what is required or expected of us based on what God has said, which we have correctly interpreted and have well understood. It is these four things that make up, that envelope or contain what we, what we call hearing from God. I must be able to hear what God is saying. I must be able to interpret what God has said. I must be able to understand what God has said, which I have interpreted correctly. And I must be able to do what is required or expected of me as a result of the word of God. Now, hearing from God, of course, would presuggest or presuppose that God is speaking. So we want to look at some examples of how God speaks so that we can be able to uh, do justice to the matter of hearing. By the way, in this particular broadcast, all we are going to be looking at is what does hearing from God entail and then the uh, things that make up those, those discussions. Uh, later on, we shall be able to discuss uh, some other aspects of hearing from God. So let's go to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. He says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond. Then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. Jeremiah was shown by God certain things, something. And God asked him, What do you see? And Jeremiah said, Oh, this is what I see. God said, you have seen correctly. In other words, you have, you have seen what I'm trying to show you correctly. Now, on the basis of that, God now goes on to say, I will hasten my word to perform it. In other words, 
I will expedite action to bring it to fruition, to bring it to fulfillment, to bring it to accomplishment. When our hearing is correct, when what, we are, what God is saying to us, we hear it accurately, we make it easy for God to act expedient, expediently, to act uh, appropriately, to act in a manner that will expedite that which he has spoken in our hearing. In verse 13 of Jeremiah chapter 1 through to verse 16, I read, And the word of the Lord came unto me the second time, saying, What seest thou? And I said, I see a seething port, and the face thereof is toward the north. Then the Lord said unto me, Out of the north, an evil shall break forth upon all the inhabitants of the land. For lo, I will call all the families of the kingdom of the north, saith the Lord, and they shall come, and they shall set every one his throne at the entering of the gates of Jerusalem, and against all the walls thereof, round about, and against all the cities of Judah. And I will utter my judgments against them, touching all the weak, all their wickedness, who have sought, who have forsaken me, and have burned incense unto the unto other gods, and worship the works of their own hands. Now, in this second portion of scripture, God asks Jeremiah, What do you see? Jeremiah says what he has seen. We don't hear God saying you have, have seen correctly, but we see God proceeding to give interpretation, which would suggest that. Again, Jeremiah had seen correctly and had described correctly what it is that he was seeing. So since um, Jeremiah had seen correctly, God was now saying to him, based on what you have seen, such and such are the things I am going to do. We, we, we are trying to draw out here the way and manner God would speak to us or communicate with us and the kind of things that we see for based on our, our, our earlier uh, description of hearing from God. We are seeing here that God is speaking and Jeremiah is able to hear correctly. We are seeing that God has given correct interpretation to Jeremiah and then he should proceed to give, uh, uh, to, to speak forth. Let me, let me uh, go to Jeremiah chapter 10, Je sorry, Jeremiah chapter 18, Jeremiah chapter 18, and I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 10. Again, we're going to see uh, God speaking through symbolisms, through everyday life, and then giving Jeremiah the instruction on what to do. And of course, we know that the, the totality of hearing is being able to hear accurately, being able to interpret correctly, being able to have understanding, and then to do what is required of us as a result. So Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1 to 10. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the porter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the porter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the porter. So he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the porter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this porter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the porter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it? If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will return, repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. And at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it, 
If it do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said I will benefit them. Here again, find God speaking to Jeremiah. But how did he speak to Jeremiah? He told Jeremiah, I want you to go to the house of a porter, or let's say his place of work. And when Jeremiah got there, God told him, when you get there, I'm going to speak to you. And Jeremiah got there and observed the porter doing his work. He saw him, um, you know, taking clay uh, on his wheel, on his uh, molding wheel, and then he was molding a vessel, and um, he molded some vessel, I think he molded one, and he didn't like the way that, that one was molded, and he collapsed it, and remolded it again. And God now began to speak to Jeremiah. He said, do you see the way the potter is doing? That is how I will do with Israel. Does Israel not think that I am able to deal with it the way the potter handles clay? After all, Israel is my nation. Israel are my people. They are clay in my hand. I can do with them as I please. And then God goes on to say, when I say to a nation that I'm coming to judge you, I'm coming to uproot you, I'm coming to destroy you, if that nation would repent and turn from its wicked ways, then that same instant, I myself will relent from the things I had said I will do. But when I now say, and on the other hand, when I say to a nation that I'm going to bless this nation, I'm going to prosper these people, I'm going to do all the good things that I desire to do for these people, and yet they go ahead and sin against me and do evil against me and do not repent, then I will withdraw my hand from the good I wanted to do unto them and they will not receive any benefit. In this instance, we find God using symbolisms, the imagery of everyday living, to speak to Israel through Jeremiah. Now, so how does God speak? We have seen that God can speak to us audibly. We have seen that it is possible for God to use imagery. He can ask us to go somewhere and we see certain things happening and then God will use those things to speak to us. We also see that God can interpret a vision that we have seen. In Job, Job chapter 33, Job chapter 33, from verse 14, I'm just going to read a few portions from verse 14 and stop somewhere so that we can see more explicitly how God speaks. Now, this was Elihu, one of Job's uh, friends, speaking to Job about how God speaks to men. In verse 14, uh, Elihu says, For God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. God can speak one time. He can even speak a second time. And yet, some men do not perceive what God is saying. So what does God do? In verse 15, he says, He can speak in a dream, in a vision of the night, when deeply falleth upon men, in slumberings upon the bed. Then he openeth the ears of men and sealeth their instructions. God not only speak audibly, he can speak through dreams. He can speak through visions of the night. Now, when he says vision of the night, when deeply falleth upon men, in slumberings upon the bed, it could also be that there will be, it will also imply that there are visions of the day when a man is wide awake, what we call a trance or an open vision, in which you are wide awake and God is showing you something and you can see it, even though you are, you are wide awake, you can see what God is saying. That is another means by which God would speak to us. Now, it goes further in verse 17 to say why God speaks to us using this means. He says, in verse 17, that he may withdraw man from his purpose and hide pride from man. God speaks not only to exhort, not only to um, edify us, but also to withdraw us, to, to bring us, to draw us away from committing sin against him, 
to withdraw us from our own purpose, our own plans, which have nothing to do with him. And then to remove pride from us. In verse 18, he says, He keepeth back his soul from the pit, and his life from perishing by the sword. Now, where this man doesn't listen after all of these things, to which, that God is seeking to withdraw him from falling into uh, condemnation and judgment in eternity, in verse 19 he says, He, this man, is chastened also with pain upon his bed, and the multitude of his bones with strong pain, so that his life abhorreth bread, and his soul dainty meat. His flesh is consumed away, that it cannot be seen, and his bones that were seen stick out. Here his soul draweth near unto the grave, and his life to the destroyers. Sometimes, when God has spoken to us audibly, in dreams, in visions of the night, in visions of the day, and so on and so forth, and we are not hearing, sometimes God would use sickness, pain, even diseases that just waste. You go to this hospital, they cannot explain what is wrong with you. You go to the next hospital, they cannot explain what is wrong with you. They do the tests and they tell you, you are 100% okay. Your vitals are okay. The, your organs are working perfectly. Yet you know that you are sick. God is saying something to you. And then in verse 23 it says, If there be a messenger with him, an interpreter, one among the thousand, to show unto man his uprightness, then he is gracious unto him and saith, Deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. He says, if this man in that sickness, after going through all the medical checks, and he discovers that not, he's not any better, how, what is going on? He says, if there is somebody who can tell him and say to him, Sir, what you are going through is God that has orchestrated it. God wants you to be able to understand what he's saying to you, that the life you are living is wrong. He wants you to turn away from your evil life and come to him. He wants you to do away with your life of pride and come to him in all humility. This is what God desires from you. And so he has brought this sickness to you. He says, where there is such a person who can give a correct interpretation of what is happening to this man, and this man now returns and understands that he is living an unrighteous life and now seeks the righteousness of God, which is in Christ Jesus. God says, I will now forgive that man and I will make him to be a new person again. So we see that God can speak to us audibly. He can speak to us through dreams. He can speak to us through visions of the night. He can speak to us through open visions. He can speak to us even through sickness, through pain, through some of the challenges that we face in life, provided there is somebody to correctly interpret and tell that man that this is why you are going through what you are going, what you are going through. Change your ways. And God will hear you, and God will heal you, and then bring you back again. Now, there are other ways by which God speaks to us. But the chief way by which God will speak to anybody is by his written word, as contained in the Bible. What we have today as the Bible is how God speaks to us most of the time. Indeed, it is when we are not able to understand or to comprehend or to apprehend or receive what God is saying, that is when he would use many other means, whereby he can speak through um, a, a pastor or through a Christian brother. Sometimes he can even speak through unbelievers, but it will be his word. Now, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, when the Lord Jesus was being tempted by, by Satan, he gave Satan a response after Satan and said, 
turn, if you are the son of God, turn this uh, stone into bread. In verse 4, the Lord Jesus gave the response. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And he quoted, he said, it is written. In other words, it is something that has been written, documented in the word of God. As a matter of fact, this passage of scripture is documented in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3. We're not going to go there to read it. But it is written, it is documented there. Now, when God has spoken a word that is written in the Bible, he will come and give us the understanding, the interpretation of that word which he has spoken, and he will help us to be able to understand it. It is crucial. Now, for all our hearing, for all our interpreting, and for all our understanding what God is saying, if we don't act as God expects us to act, then what God has said to us is going to be treated as vain because it will mean nothing to us because we have not done anything with what God has said in our hearing. So it is crucial, it is important, it is critical that we are not just hearing the words that God is saying, we're not just reading the written word of God, we're not just seeing a vision or a dream or some revelation of sort, but that whatever is required of us to do, we are doing it also. Now, I must sound a note of warning here, that for all the avenues by which God can speak to us, Satan can also use it. In fact, Satan has a way of picking the word of God and twisting it such that it confuses us and sometimes we feel that this is what God is saying. But no, later on, maybe uh, maybe the next broadcast or one or two broadcasts thereafter, we should be able to come to this aspect of how God speaks. But for now, this is not what we want. We just want to treat the matter of hearing from God. Of course, all of this will, will come together nicely when we put everything together and we'll see how it works for us. For now, still addressing the matter of hearing from God um, in a global sense. Let's look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And I'm going to read um, from verse 21 through to verse 25. James chapter 1, 21 through to 25. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man, beholding his natural face in a glass. For he, he, for he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgeteth what manner of man he was. In verse 25 he says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. The verse of scripture I've read addressed the need to not only hear, but also to do. It addresses that. But before we do that, the first thing it addresses is getting rid of the impediments to hearing. In verse 21, I want to read again. It says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. We cannot receive the engrafted word of God, which is able to save our souls, if this matter of filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness 
is still present with us. So he says, lay apart or lay aside or cast off or take away or be rid of all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness or what is called overabundance or superabundance of wickedness and evil. Filthiness is talking about the old life that we used to live that was loaded with filth and sin. Such a life will not allow us to be able to hear from God correctly. It is like a man who puts something in his ears and says, continue to speak, I'm listening to you. That man cannot hear you because his ear, his ear gates through which he would have heard you is, 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 is busy, is, is plugged in. And so he cannot hear you. The man who still has the filth of sin, the filth of self, the filth of the old life still with him, still reasoning like the man he used to be, he will not be able to hear God correctly. He will not be able to interpret the word of God correctly. He will not be able to have good understanding of what God is saying. And definitely as God expects him to act. So it is important to deal with this matter of filth and uh, wickedness. First Peter chapter 2. Verse 1. This a similar thing he said. He says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking, evil speakings, in fact, he pluralizes it. He says, We need to lay aside these things. We need to cast them aside. We need to take because these are the impediments. They will not allow us to hear God when He is speaking to us, either by dreams or by visions and so on and so forth. When He talks of malice, things that things that we have brought in from the past, from the from when we were in the world, those things must be done away with. Some of those things are crafty when we are when we are dealing when we, when we are dealing with the things of God. We bring in our old ways of doing things, the ways we used to trick people, the, 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 the uh, cleverness, let me use that uh, 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 word, the clever things, and we call it wisdom. No, it is not wisdom. The Bible regards it as malice, guile, envies, and evil speaking. And it says we need to do away with it. A, a, a typical example of this would be earplugs in the ears that prevents people from hearing when they are being warned. In fact, we see it a lot today. We see young people all over the world, as a matter of fact, with um, earplugs plugged in, crossing the streets. They're not even looking. They just hop onto the main road and cross. Sometimes they're walking as leisurely bits of the music in their ears, and they don't know when danger is looming. And when you warn them and you, and you try to drive, drive them, I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm listening. I recall reading about a, a, a fellow in Lagos, Nigeria. He was walking on a rail track and listening to music with both ears plugged in. And I, I bet that the, the music must have been very, very loud. Because shortly after he got onto the track, a train was coming right behind him. And you can imagine the noise of the train blaring and screaming. And I'm sure there must have been people around him trying to draw his attention to get out of the place. But he was so consumed with the music, consumed with himself, he wasn't listening. Sadly for that young man, the train crushed him and he died. God does not to have our hearing plugged with filth, plugged with superfluity of naughtiness, plugged with malice, with guile, with prejudices, with envies, with evil speaking, with all manner of thoughts. Because once these things are there, we will not be able to hear what God is saying appropriately. 
and God wants us to be able to hear him when he's speaking. The next thing that is crucial when we're going to hear God is after dealing with the impediments is to be able to receive the word of God. The impediments are there, you cannot receive the word of God. So we need to deal with the impediments. We need to deal with the life of the flesh. We need to do, deal with our prejudices, our prejudices from when we were unbelievers. We need to deal with so many things. We need to understand that God is a God of love and that he doesn't want to harm us, that he made eternity with him. We need to remove every negativity that we have had about God from our hearts. Some people see God as a, a taskmaster. And so when God is asking them to do something, they see it as though God is forcing them to do something. They don't know that God wants them to act out of love, to act you know, out of, in, in a manner that is easy, in a manner that uh, speak of God, uh, of God's nature. And so they begin to act in a manner that you would wonder and say, ah, they, is, this, is this, what kind of God are these people serving? So it is important that they, we deal with, with, then we now come to be able to receive the word of God. That word receive means to accept it. To willingly accept it. Another way of describing the word receive is to welcome it. To welcome it. Another way of describing that date. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 2, which we read earlier, the second verse, after talking of laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking, it says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You cannot grow if you do not have the desire for the word of God. A newborn babe does not cropples about the mother's breast. He doesn't question what it is. He doesn't question what the contents are. He just plugs on and sucks the mother's breast. And you see him growing very healthy. Now, what the Bible is saying here is that when we are going to receive the word of God, we should not, of course, we can ask for clarification. We can ask God to explain certain things to us. But we don't query God. We don't query his word. Seeking something about, look, I'm, not, I'm tired of this thing. I'm not even ready for all this kind of thing. No. That is why the Bible now, with meekness, receive with meekness. Receive with meekness. We are speaking here of humility. We are speaking of people who, who regard that the word of God, without God saying anything, they recognize that, they recognize their inability to just not speak to them. Now, with such a, more than willing to welcome the word of God, more than willing to accept, the, to desire the word of God. In fact, it is this disposition of humility that enables to receive the engrafted word of God. Now again, he says the word of God is, and is, he describes it as the engrafted word, which is something, and the word engrafted means implanted. That is something that is planted, something that is sown, something that is buried into the inner man. Now, let me explain this to us. There are, the man is a trinity of sort. Man has a spirit, has a soul, and lives in a body. So what we see, this physical body, is the body of man. The real man is inside, is a spirit man. We call him the spirit man or the inner man. Now the word of God is sown inside that man. It's sown in the inner man. It's planted inside the inner man. So when we're talking of getting rid of filth, it is the inner man we're talking about. The inner man must be rid of the filth that he has from the past. The inner man must be cleansed. I think we discussed this earlier. 
uh, some, some couple of uh, broadcasts ago or the last broadcast that one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is to come in and cleanse us, purge us of the old life, remove it and put in the word of God, the new life and cause us to be able to live appropriately. So this receiving of the engrafted word is the bearing of the word of God into the inner man, into our inner man, into our spirit man, so that that word, when it is in there, can grow, bear fruit, and begin to be a blessing to our lives. Then again, it, 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 it talks about this engrafted word and its ability it says, it is able to save your soul. The salvation of our souls, even after we have confessed Jesus and after we have received him into our lives, is going to be tied to how we handle the word of God. In Romans chapter 1 verse 16, Romans chapter 1 verse 16, the Bible says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jews first, and also to the Greeks. Now, what he's saying here is that when the word of God is spoken to a man and he believes it and therefore receives it, he is saved. His salvation comes. So the word that we are receiving has the ability to bring that salvation to you and I. And so it is important that we are, in, we are prepared to receive the word of God with a disposition of humility, Recognizing that without the word of God, we are nothing. And say to God, Lord, I need your word. I need to be able to hear from you. If I don't hear from you, I will not be able to do anything. I am finished. I am done for. But the man who believes that he's macho and says whether God speaks or not, I will go ahead and do what I want to do. That kind of a man cannot has set himself up to fail because he cannot receive the engrafted word of God and so will not be saved. He will find himself in situations where his deliverance will be difficult to, 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 uh, to exercise. Now, so having said this as the initial things that must needs take place, getting rid of filth, receiving the word of God, having the appropriate disposition, and allowing the word to be engrafted into us, we now move to the real deal of what James chapter 1 22 to 25 is saying about hearing the word of God, doing the work arising from that word. And he says, that man is blessed. Now, before we break this down into its component parts, I want to uh, mention to Ross the fact that these things must need be, otherwise we will run into trouble where the word of God is concerned. There are people who sit through a sermon and they leave that, 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 that uh, meeting with nothing. And you'll be wondering, what was it that they were doing in that meeting? How come they didn't hear what God was saying? Some other people sit through a sermon, and at the end of the day, they are so preoccupied with many things in that meeting and are unfruitful in whatever it is that is taking place. Now, to be able to understand this thing that is being said, we are going to uh, turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 13 and read uh, the parable of the sower as the Lord declared it and the meaning that he gave to it. It's a, a, a somewhat lengthy, but please bear with us. From verse 
Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to read from verse, verse 3 through to verse 23. And he, that is Jesus, spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon, on, upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And that's the parable. Speaking about three soils, uh, four soils, and how the, 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 the sower had sowed, and the results of the planting. He, spoke, he speaks about what the, the state of those soils are. And we're going to see the meaning as we go along. Verse 10. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? And he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. There are those who have the gift, they have the gifting to know what God is saying to them. But there are people who don't have that gift. So because they don't have that gift, he says, I'm going to I speak to them in parables. And yet, for some for, for all the parables that he's speaking, some people don't understand. In fact, when you listen to the parable of the sower, it makes a lot of agricultural sense. And so somebody who is not initiated in understanding the word of God. Could run with this and say, This is what agriculture, this is what God is saying to me to go and begin to plant and look for good soil to plant. It is also possible that God can use this as a remnant to speak to somebody. But by and large, in doctrinal form, this is a parable that has nothing to do with agriculture, but everything to do with you and I. Verse 12 For whoso hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance, but whoever, whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing, see not, and hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. So you see what we're trying, what we're trying to say earlier. God would speak to us by showing us things, he would speak to us audibly, and so on and so forth, and he expects us to have understanding. But these people, because they see and don't perceive, they don't understand, they don't know what they're saying, they hear, but they cannot comprehend what they're hearing. They lack understanding. So God says, I will speak to them in parables. In verse 14, he says, And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, or Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye he shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and shall understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. God is saying here that if these people were hearing from me, I would have healed them long ago. I would have delivered them long ago. God speaks. When God speaks to us, we don't necessarily use our natural senses to hear. We use our spiritual senses. The Bible says the heart here. What it's talking about is the spirit man, the inner man, the man that has been transformed, the man that has received Christ into him. His spirit man is now active and open. But when a man has not yet received Christ or is unwilling to receive Christ, his spirit man is waxed gross. It says it's waxed gross. 
is preoccupied with so many things. There are many things that are encumbered within the spirit man, and so he's unable to hear God. Then it talks about the eyes. The eyes, we're talking of visions and dreams. The ability to see what God is showing us. We are not talking of natural seeing now. We're talking of the ability to see what it is that God is showing us. And it says these people, they have shut their eyes so that they cannot see what God is showing them. They have shut their spiritual eyes. They cannot see in a spiritual sense what God is, is trying to show them. And then it says they are, their ears, they, 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 they are not hearing with their ears. Their ears are dull. What is it saying here? They lack understanding. No matter what is being said to them, they will not understand what is, what is being told them. In fact, the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 24, verse 45, Luke 24, 45, how the Lord Jesus opened the understanding of his disciples because he was trying to explain to them how that the Christ needed to suffer and to be killed and thereafter that the Christ will, re will, will resurrect again because they were, they were flustered even though he had told them that he was going to resurrect the third day. After the resurrection and he appeared before them, many of them, some of them who doubted, some of them were not sure what was going on, they were confused and the Lord had to start explaining to them and for all the explanation that he gave to them, they still did not receive understanding. So finally, in Luke 24 verse 45, the Bible says, Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Without an understanding heart, without the ability to understand what God is saying, the scriptures will be nothing to us. We will read, we will read it, we will hear it in sermons, but it will mean nothing to us. That is one of the reasons why we have to ask God to give us an understanding heart, to open up our understanding so that we can receive what God is saying and then we will know appropriately whether he wants us to repent or he wants us to seek forgiveness, his mercy and so on and so forth. And we can be beneficiaries of the benevolence of God upon mankind. In verse 16, he says, But blessed are your eyes for the see and your ears for the hear. Indeed, a man is blessed because of his ability to communicate with God. We have heard earlier on that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God does man live by. A man, therefore, who can hear correctly, who can correctly interpret, who can understand what God is saying, is a man who is indeed blessed because his eyes are blessed, his ears are blessed. That is, his spiritual eyes and his spiritual ears are blessed. In fact, speaking of spiritual eyes and spiritual ears, the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 3 of a particular church that thought that they were doing okay. And the Lord warned them that they didn't know that they were blind. I'm going to read it to us. Revelation chapter 3. Um, let me read from verse 17. It says, Because thou seest I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thy eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. This, is a people, this was a church that believed that they were doing okay because all the natural indices of, uh, pros, pros, of prospering was seen in them. They, they, they had wealth, they had possessions, they believed that they could do things without anybody, and God said to them, you guys are looking at the natural, you're not looking at the spiritual. He says, you don't know that you are wretched in the spirit, that you are miserable, you are poor, 
you are blind and you are naked. And he began to advise them to seek the spiritual. And I advise you also, if you have been reasoning like that, to seek the spiritual. Because in the spiritual, you will come to understand what it is that God is saying. In verse 17, he says, For verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them. And to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. There are people who desire these things, but they don't get them. They even pray. They fast. And yet they don't get them. But there are people who God just has purpose to just bless, and he gives it to them. And that's why he says they are blessed. There are people of other religions, of other faiths, who are seeking God. But they are reading other books, other things they call scripture. And so as much as they are reading, they desire God, yet they are not receiving. Because God has chosen that the only way by which he's going to speak to man is by his written word. And even if he's going to show them uh, uh, things that they can see, because they are seeing it from the perspective of the natural, they can't receive it. Except God would show them favor, would show them mercy rather, and cause them to receive understanding. They will not be able to understand. So those who have understanding of the word of God, they are indeed blessed. They are blessed not because they have property or because they have um, money. No, no, no. They are blessed because they have entered into the place where they can receive from God everything that God wants them to do. And as long as they are obedient to God, they will achieve everything that God wants them to achieve, which is why they are blessed. Which is why it is important that we understand hearing from God. Now, verse 18, and we come to and cause them to receive understanding. They will not be able to understand. So those who have understanding of the word of God, they are indeed blessed. They are blessed not because they have property or because they have um, money. No, no, no. They are blessed because they have entered into the place where they can receive from God everything that God wants them to do. And as long as they are obedient to God, they will achieve everything that God wants them to achieve, which is why they are blessed, which is why it is important that we understand hearing from God. Now, verse 18, and we come to the interpretation of the parable. Hear ye therefore the parable of the soul. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he that receives seed by the wayside. Now, he spoke about the wayside man and spoke about fowls coming and devouring what was sown there. So when the word of God is put into the heart of this man, this wayside soil, now speaking, the soil now is actually the inner man. Is the inner man. The seed is the word of God. And the sower is planting that seed inside him. It says that when any man has this seed planted within him, but, does, but lacks understanding. He, his, he, his mind has not been open to receive understanding of the word. What happens? He says, then the wicked one, that is Satan, comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. And this man is unfruitful through and through. Nothing grows. The seed that could have grown cannot grow. So at the end of the day, even though something was sown in there, the man's heart is still empty. He went to church and said from God, he heard the word of us engrafted into his inner man. He is a natural man. He can't receive it. And because God has not yet brought, in, brought into him the gift, the ability for him to receive seed, that man is not blessed. Nothing happens. It is as if nothing was spoken to him. 
because the word that was there had been removed. This is why I always counsel people who go to church and they hear a message and they don't understand it. They can't even say, this is what I heard. I say to you, do not leave that building until you have seen the pastor. And when you see the pastor, don't go and be asking for strange things. Ask that you would understand the word of God that was spoken. Ask that he would be able to come and teach you. That is the job of him, to be able to teach you, even if it means teaching you alone. Ask. Ask before you go to church. Ask God. Say, Lord, open my understanding. Whatever is being spoken, let me understand. Before you read the scriptures, pray, Lord, open my understanding. As I look into your perfect law of liberty, let me receive understanding of what you are saying. Otherwise, you will be like the wayside heart that lacked understanding. You will be reading the Bible and it will not make any sense to you. You will read a place where God is expecting you to, to come and receive the full benefits of salvation and you will not be able to receive. Why? Because you lack Understanding. Let's look at the second, uh, the second soil or the second heart, the second spirit man, the second inner man, the second disposition. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word and anon or quickly or immediately with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. Now, different from the first fellow, we see that this man is able to retain what was sown in there. The first man could not retain it because Satan came and dragged it away. And why did Satan come to pull it away? Because Satan understands the potency of the word of God. He knows that if the word of God can be retained, it will grow. And if it grows, it will bring forth fruit. And if it brings forth fruit, his, his, his grip over that soul is ended. That is the salvation that brings, that the word of God brings. But there's a problem with this fellow. Even though he received the word of God that came, even though he retained it, there was a problem with him. He lacked depth. He, had, he lacked spiritual depth. He was a superficial Christian. He was a shallow Christian. He was somebody who just shouted, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. It didn't mean anything to him. He was just saying, praise the Lord. But when it came down to the nitty gritty of the word, we had a problem. The Bible says in verse 21, it says, yet hath he not a root in himself. He had no depth. There was no, no depth of, 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 of the foundation of Christianity in him. There are Christian foundations. They are what we call the foundational doctrines. You are going to find them in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. We're not going to read that. Maybe at some point in time, one of these days in our broadcast, we'll be able to come up with, with that. It is this foundation that this man did not have. He had a, a the, when you look at when you look at a soil, on the surface, the soil looks like this is a soil that is going to do okay. But underneath there are stones, pavements, rocks that will prevent anything that you plant on it to grow. So if you plant something on that soil, and you put the seed in there, because the, the underneath has concrete, it will just grow, the roots will grow, the thing may grow out a little bit, but after a while, when challenges come in, a storm comes in and so on, so you will see the tree will fall, or the shrub, the little shrub, the little plant will fall, and then you suddenly discover that in um, horizontally rather than vertically, there, was, uh, there were stones all around the, 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 the soil there. And so he couldn't go further down. This is this kind of a fellow. Inside of his heart is 
pavement are stones that will not allow him to receive and retain and cause the word of God to grow beyond a limit. Now, what is that limit? His, his understanding of the word is limited once challenges of life come in, once trials and tribulations come in, once persecution comes in. The Bible says, yet hath he not, in verse 21 again, yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth, that is, he endured for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended. He got angry and said, what is going on? Uh -uh. When I wasn't born again, I wasn't facing this kind of challenges. Now I'm born again, look at the kind of challenges I'm facing. He fails to realize that the Bible says that tribulation or persecution came because of the word. When the word of God is spoken, the word of God will come and there will be a testing of that word in a man. I'll, I'll, I'll turn to, uh, let's, let's turn to First Peter and you will see that there is what was called the trial of your faith. First Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read for, for, so that we can have it in context. I'm going to read from verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. What a wonderful promise. What a wonderful blessing. What a wonderful inheritance that God has kept for us. And it says, wherein ye greatly rejoice. Because of this inheritance, of course, greatly rejoice. Though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Now challenges are coming. Now tribulations are coming. Now trials have come. Even though we have this promise. Even though we know that we are inheriting something. But we now, we now have faced challenges. In verse 7 it says, This sin is there so that the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Your faith will be tried. Faith coming by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. So as the word of God is coming, that faith that you want to receive will be tried with challenges of life. You will be able to overcome it if you have depth. If you have gone through the, the foundations of Christianity. Now I'm not just talking of being taught it, but I'm talking of living it out. Now what are these things? One is repentance from dead works. You can read, you can see it in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 and 2. Repentance from dead works, not repentance from sin. You have already repented from sin. We're not talking of repentance from dead works. Any work that you are doing that God has not asked you to do is dead works. So the Bible is saying, repent from this. That's one of the crucial foundations that we must lay that henceforth, we no longer want to do anything that God has not sanctioned. The second one is faith toward God. We turn our trust unto God. 100% we are solely with God. We can no longer be going left, right, left, right. We turn here today, we turn there tomorrow. We turn back again tomorrow, then we, next tomorrow again, we turn the other way. No, we must be stable. We must be we, we, we must be firmly rooted in our faith in God. Our trust must be in God, not in man, not in even our own abilities, but in God. And then there is the doctrine of baptisms. Baptism, what we call baptism into the body, the uh, water baptism or Christian baptism, baptism of the, uh, the Holy Ghost baptism, and then what we call baptism of fire or baptism into suffering. These are baptisms. We are not going to discuss that here. But I just want you to understand this. 
If this man had gone through that foundation, he, the, the, the idea that it could be rooted out, that idea would have been pulled away by the Spirit of God. And he would have come to understand that suffering is part of the gospel. And then there, there's, there's the doctrine of uh, laying on of hands, where the Bible says, lay hands suddenly on no man. Don't lay hands on people you don't know. You can't be laying hands on everybody. For what purpose? Did God ask you to lay hands on people? And then you don't submit your head to anybody to just lay hands on you. For what purpose? A father should lay hands on his children. But you don't go to anybody and just say, eh, sir, please lay hands on me. For what purpose? Is the man a spiritual father to you? Has he invested in spiritual things into your life? That is the basis on which you can, you can talk of laying on hands. Also laying on hands about ordination, bless, pronouncement of blessings from God, and so on and so forth. Then there's the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead. Many people don't even believe that the dead resurrect. That's why you see Christians refuse, not, not wanting to die. You will see them praying against death, against sudden death. What kind of prayer is that? It is because they lack understanding. They lack this. There's no death in the foundation. There's no foundation for them. And was resurrected. And he has promised and assured us that anybody back to life. So why should I be afraid to die? And then, of course, there is the doctrine of eternal judgment. Some people are living and saying there's no, there's not going to be eternal judgment. God is going to judge the quick and the living. That's what the Bible says. The, sorry, the quick and the dead, those who are alive and those who are dead, He will judge all men. Satan already has been judged. The Bible tells us that all those who are living wickedly will be judged. All those who are living unrighteously will be judged. All those who are living righteously will also be judged. In fact, but the judgments are different. The judgment of the Christian is what we call the judgment seat of Christ. Where your righteous acts are judged, and even your righteous acts are judged, you are going to be rewarded for the righteous acts that you that that, that um, you, you 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 do. And of course, that, that is that about it. But the other judgment is what we call the Great White Throne Judgment. No Christian should be going there. Anybody who goes to the Great White Throne Judgment is already condemned. All is going there is sentencing. Which layer of punishment or which part of hell we are going to we are going, we are going to put him? This these are the fundamental doctrines of Christ. If, we, if this man had understood these fundamental doctrines, he would not have shied away from the fact that there is a problem. Uh, from, sorry, he would not have shied away from the fact that there is persecution. He will understand because of the word that was spoken to him. If you are not going through challenges of life as a result of the word of God facing you uh, that, that you have heard, then something is wrong somewhere. Every time the word of God is spoken, the word of God comes to challenge your faith. I'll read another scripture to you. Psalm, I think it's Psalm 103. Um, so, Psalm, Psalm 105, please. Psalm 105. Uh, and here it is speaking about Joseph. In verse 16, it says, Moreover, he, that is God, called for a famine upon the land. He break the whole staff of bread. 17, he sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with feathers. He was laid in iron. Until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. Until the time that his word, what word is he talking about now? The dreams and visions that God had given him. Until the time that that vision was to come to pass, come to fruition, God tested him. He was tested with his brothers. He was tested in Potiphar's home. He was tested in the prison. He passed everything and the word came to pass. This man with a stony heart, this man that is a shallow Christian does not want to face any challenge at all. That is why he is having the problem that he's having. And so he gets offended and jumps out of church. 
or jumps out of, 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 of whatever it is. Some, some people leave one church and go to another church and keep patrolling churches until they get to a, a particular church where they feel now this one at least is not, is not challenging me with anything. Instead, he's speaking and telling me that I'm going to make it. I'm going to become something. And so they settle down there. They forget that the Bible wants us in 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 4, I think it is, verse 3 and 4, that the time is going to come when people will not want to receive. Not, let me read it. Let me read it, please. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Yes, I'm reading for, from verse 3 now. He said, oh, let me read from verse, from verse 1. He says, I charge thee therefore before God, speaking to the pastor, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. We are supposed to preach doctrine, we are supposed to teach people doctrine with all long suffering. We should persevere, we should reprove, we should rebuke, we should exhort. Why? In verse 3 it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They don't want to hear the word of God. They just want to hear something that will titillate their, 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 their soul, that is their flesh, rather than this, that will bring the inner man to the place where he should be. And in verse 4 it says, Their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. That is this man. He got offended, was turned onto fables. There was no death in him. If you have not yet understood the things of God, my brother, my sister, I will plead with you to seek a place where you can learn the word of God, where you can be taught the word of God. The third fellow in verse 22 says, He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the cares of this world and the sin of the word, and he becometh unfruitful. He heard the word of God. He received it. He welcomed it into his heart. But there was a problem with the state of his heart. His heart was encumbered. Pretty much like what the Bible uh, tells us about uh, Martha, who was busy in serving. In fact, I, I want to read that same thing as, as presented by Mark in the gospel. That's Mark chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. It says, and these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. In Luke, I look at, let's look at the, the, uh, the way Luke presents that uh, particular aspect. That would be Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, and um, that would be verse... Verse 14, Luke 8, 14, it says, And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. Such is this man. He heard the word of God. It blessed him. But within him were all manner of things. He was encumbered with the affairs of this world, with the cares of this life. He was, he, they were, he was deceived by wealth. He believed so much that if he had riches, he had it all. The display of riches came. The pleasures for this life. The Bible says the lusts of other things entered in and choked the word. These things always choke the word of God. The, the, the things of this world, the things of this life, 
all those things that we run, that people are running after, desiring, they come in and choke the word of God. So that as much as the word you would you would have grown in spiritual things, this your desires for the things that are not of the spirit, they come in there and they choke the word of God. And you discover that that fellow will bring forth fruit a little bit and then after a while it withers away. In other words, the, what, what you saw was just a body. There was no real depth in him. Just body a little bit. The, the thorns, the affairs, the cares of this world, they, they, they are actually thorns. They, are, they, 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 they fight against the word of God. They seek to push the word of God away, to choke it and to kill it. The Bible says it comes in and chokes the word. This man, even though he heard the word of God, was unable to do it because of his concerns for so many other things. Like Mary and Martha. Mary heard the word of God. She sat down there and was listening. Martha, on the other hand, was so preoccupied with so many things, she couldn't even sit down to receive the word of God. And the Lord told her that what Mary had, nobody could take away from it. Nobody could take away from her. And that was what was more important than her running around to serve. I have always said this. For those people who say they are ushers in church, it is good to serve as an usher. But once the word of God begins to come forth, please look for a seat. Sit down and hear the word of God. Don't allow anybody to, dis to disturb you. You're there to hear the word of God whilst you are serving. Sit down. Take notes. Do whatever that you are assimilating the word of God. Don't go to church and become a signboard where you are directing people to sit down, stopping people from sleeping, and yet you, that you are stopping people from sleeping, you are not even listening to the word of God. Because when the word of God comes now, it, it will be it, it, all those things you are doing, which are distractions, will choke out the word of God and you will be unfruitful. God forbid. Now, it also now gives us the disposition that we need. In verse 23 of Matthew chapter 13, it says, But he that received seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. What does it say about this fellow? The man's inner man is good. This man allowed the Spirit of God to come in and to purge him, to fire him, to make him ready to receive the word of God. That, and as a result of that, you find what happened. The Bible says he had understanding. The Spirit of God had come and had opened his understanding. Let's look at Mark's rendition of the same thing. Mark chapter 4. Verse 20, Mark chapter 4, verse 20, it says, And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit. You know, as they hear the word, they welcome it. It says they bring forth fruit, some 30 fold, some 60 fold, and some 100. That is in various gradation. There are levels of maturation. Some of us mature to 30. The one who's 30 today, don't worry, continue, you will get to 60. The one with 60 today, continue, you'll get to 100. Just continue and you'll continue to grow and grow and grow and grow. In Luke chapter 8, we look at Luke's rendition of the same thing. In verse 15, it says, But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart. That is a heart that is open to God. A heart that has been cleansed, a heart that has been sanctified. Having heard the word, keep it. They retain the word, they make sure that the word stays in their heart. They don't allow anything to remove it. They don't allow Satan to come in there to remove it. They've removed all the stones that would have stopped that, that seed from going deep and taking root downward and, and bringing forth fruit upward. They have dealt with that one. And then the Bible says, it bringeth forth fruit with patience. 
They have learned to be patient. They wait upon the word of God. They do not dismiss the word of God. The fact that what God has said has not come to pass does not dissuade them at all. Rather, they are re-energized to go forth and do as God wants them to do. They keep holding on to the word of God, knowing that one day that word will surely come to pass. So the Bible tells us in James, it says we should be doers of the word, not just hearers. Seen from these four hearts, these four, these, or these four categories of groups of, of, of individuals. There are people who hear, they try to leave, leave it out in a few, uh, a, 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 a little while after. When challenges come, they pack up, they buckle, and they pack up. Then there are those who receive the word actually, but because they are so engaged in the things of the world, in the world, the things of the world, the affairs of the world, the sort of riches, the pleasures of this life, they come in and they choke out the word of God and destroy the word of God. And the word of God cannot bear fruit in their life. Not that the word of God is not potent enough to live, but they have not given it room. They claim that they are welcoming the word of God, but they are welcoming the word of God into a hostile environment. Can you imagine somebody who has snakes in his house and invites you into his house and says, please come and live in my house. I doubt that you will want to live in that house. Once you move into that house and you see snakes, you are taking off. No matter how strong you are, nobody wants, even if they tell you that the snakes are not poisonous and they are not going to, they are not going to harm you. Do, do you want to sit in a house and snakes are crawling all over your body? Don't want it, nobody wants to be. The word of God is not going to stay in a place where it's not welcome. You cannot say that you are welcoming the word of God and you put all kinds of uh, huddles and, and all kinds of pitfalls in its path. The word of God is not going to feel welcome there and the word of God is going to leave. It is crucial that we identify what is happening in our hearts. So again, I want to read James 1, 22 to 25 again. It says, but he, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. The only fellow that was able to do the word of God was that man that the Bible says had good ground. The man whose inner man had been cleansed, had been purged, had been purified. The man who had been sanctified. I've, I've said this before, it bears repetition. The first thing that happens to you when you repent before God and are forgiven is that God declares you righteous. You are now saved. It's a pronouncement. Having pronounced it, God will now, the Holy Spirit will now come immediately to make you righteous. He comes to begin to prepare you to be righteous. Now, in making you righteous, he's removing everything, all the things that are choking, all the stones that are there, all the grossness in the heart. He removes everything. He removes the old sinful nature. He removes the, 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 the fleshly kind of life that we want to live. All those things are removed. And now that, 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 that place is now empty. And I begins to fill it with the word of God. And begins to fill it with the word of God until that person becomes one with the word of God. Then you are now able to walk righteously. You are declared righteous, you are made righteous, and now you can walk righteously. This is what the Bible is saying here. That the fellow, that fellow who um, was in, who, 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 in whom the word was planted on a, on, a, on a good ground, was somebody who was not only declared righteous, made righteous, allowed the Spirit of God to make him righteous, now he can walk righteously. In other words, he can do as God wants him to do. He's able to obey the Word of God. When the Word of God comes, he's prompt about doing it. And then he's also patient to wait for the, the fruit, the result of the Word of God in his life. 
So again, I want to read James 1, 22, 25. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. A man who cannot do the word of God is deceiving himself. There's no need getting to church every Sunday and hearing the word of God and you're unable to do it. There's no need reading the Bible on a daily basis and you're unable to do it. In a place where you must cry to God and say, Lord, God, help me. That is the place of the Holy Spirit in your life. Which is why you must seek him every day. Holy Spirit, I'm about to go into Bible study now. Please minister to me. Whatever would not allow me to receive your word, uproot it from my life. These are the kind of things that the preliminaries that we should need to do before we go into, into a Bible study or even a church meeting or any fellowship meeting for that matter. Because one of the highlights of a fellowship meeting is receiving the word of God, hearing a word from God. Verse 23, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. The word of God is referred to as a mirror. The word of God is called a mirror somewhere. And so he's using, using that same simile to say, it's as though you are looking at yourself in a mirror. And in verse 24 it says, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. How do you look at a mirror? especially uh, women folk. You look at a mirror, you look at your lips, you see that the lips are so, uh, the, 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 the lipstick is so thick, and you've seen it, you didn't do anything to, to, to wipe it off, you just went onto the streets like that. And then when people are pointing to you and saying to you that, sister, you have thick, li thick lipstick on your, on, your, on your lips, you get angry. And say, what's your business? Why are you judging me? Nobody's judging you. Your mirror had told you already what was wrong with you. You refused to listen. You went on ahead and now you have to face people who are telling you that this thing is wrong. It's the same thing here. When the word of God comes, it comes to correct things in our lives. It comes to tell us that the way you did this yesterday is, was wrong. This is how to do it now. So it corrects us. Henceforth, we should be able to take that correction and do it. Now, where we don't have the heart that has been prepared by the Spirit of God, we will be unable to do it. We will be forgetful hearers. But in verse 25 it says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, the person that can continue therein is the person who has this good heart, this heart that has been sanctified by the Spirit of God. He, being not a forgetful hearer, he cannot forget what he hears. Because whatever he hears will be retained. The forgetful hearer cannot retain the word choked away or destroyed by rocks or removed by sin. He says, he, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. What do we mean by doer of the work? The work that is required by the word of God. The one who is doing that work with the word of God requires him to do. The Bible says that this man shall be blessed in his deed. So basically there's an equation. The equation is hearing the word of God, doing the work therefrom equals or is equivalent of a blessed life. A blessed life is not necessarily the man who has money. There are people with money who don't have joy, who don't have health, who don't have anything. They have all the money, but they have no peace. But there are people who have lived next to nothing, yet they have righteousness, they have peace, they have joy in the Holy Ghost. They have the kingdom of God evidently in their lives. Those men, those people are blessed. And they are blessed because they have sought to receive and to accept the word of God for what it is. Now, as we begin to draw to a close, I'd like to read Matthew chapter 15, verse 18 to 20. Matthew chapter 15, verse 18 to 20. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, 
and they defile the man. The things that proceed from within you, from the inner man. He says, these are the things that defile. What are those things? In verse 19, it says, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashing hands defileth not a man. This was Jesus' response to when the Pharisees were quarreling with Jesus' disciples that they were eating without washing their hands. And Lord Jesus said, eating without washing your hand is a natural phenomenon. Whatever you eat, whatever disease comes in, will be, will be pushed out one way or the other. Except, of course, your organs are not functioning properly. Otherwise, those things are flushed out. But that the real problem is what is inside of you. So he was trying to tell the disciples, while the, while the uh, Pharisees were focusing on the external, the natural, God is more internal, the spiritual, manifest in the, in, in the, in the, in the outward. It is not the other way around. You don't plan to do something outwardly while the inward is, is still not working. It must come from within you to the outward. So, for example, I want, I'm trying to debunk those who claim that God is only interested in the inward and not in the outward. No, he's interested in the inward and working out to the outward. He's interested both in the inward and the outward. He is interested in you having a life that when, by the time you are manifesting him, outwardly, everybody will see that this is God. You cannot dress like a prostitute and make claim that God is only interested on the inside. No! If, you, if God was in you, you would not dress like a prostitute because the Bible says, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. What were you thinking of when you are dressing like a prostitute? Murders, plots to kill people. People are writing petitions against other people because they want to gain an upper hand over that, over that person. Adulteries, fornications. When you dress like a prostitute, who are you trying to lure? And then you say, God is only interested in the inward. No, he's interested in both the inward and the outward. And a person who has dressed like a prostitute, we know what is inside that person. Prostitution is inside that person. A person who tells lies and says God is only interested in the, in the inward, but he, what has happened is that he's a false witness on the inside. That's all that has come out of him. So I ask you, what is in you? Because what is in you is going to determine how you respond to the word of God. If what is in you is God and his word, then your response, your, your, your actions will speak to the fact that you have indeed heard the word of God. But if what is in you are thorns and thistles, rocks, stones, or just grossness, or just what they call pavement, then, even when God is speaking to you, you are not going to hear. And we will know that you are not hearing because we will find you doing the wrong thing. If you go to church and you listen to the word of God and you read your Bible, you will understand that there are certain modes of dressing that a child of God is not permitted to do. There are certain things that a child of God should not do. Now, when we see you claim to be a child of God doing them, we have seen somebody who either has a pavement heart a stony heart or a thorny heart. And such a person needs now to go to God and cry to God and say, Lord, I, I, I wasn't paying attention when you were trying to sort me out by your spirit. Help me now. You need to go to cry to God and ask him to help you. Perhaps when the Holy Spirit was trying to do that work in the initial stages of your salvation, you were not interested. And now you have an overgrown spirit man. A spirit man that is overgrown with weeds and stone of Dangerous animals are living there. 
There's no way you're going to have all filthiness, superfluity of wickedness dwelling in your heart. And until that is removed, nothing is going to happen. I'm going to close with this scripture now. Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24. And it will be, it will form the scripture with which we shall pray at this time. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. You need to go to God and say, Lord, search me. Search my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. Look deep into me, Lord. My pavements? Do I have stones in my heart? Do I have thorns residing in my heart? Have I become someone that is whose heart has not been cleansed? Sanctify me, Lord. Let your spirit come and now purge me and remove all these things, these iniquitous things from my life. In verse 24, it says, And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, O Lord. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Is it because something has settled there? Lord, come and remove these things and help me to live for you. Help me, Lord. So that henceforth, when I look into the perfect law of liberty, I will hear you speak to me. Henceforth, when you are speaking, I will say, yes, Lord, I've heard you. And I will promptly be able to do these things. Now I know that until my heart is right with you, I will not be able to do anything of value in your kingdom. My hearing your word will be fair. In fact, it cannot be said that I'm hearing your word. Because if I'm not doing anything that is right in your sight, in your word. So that, Lord, when I read your word, I will be prompt to respond and pray to and seek the face of God and trust God. It will bring a change in our lives. And when next we meet, we trust God that he will again speak to us. And this time around, we'll have a clarity in our hearts to be able to receive from him, to be able to understand with correct interpretation and correct comprehension and we'll be able to go quickly, hastily, and promptly to implement what it is that God wants us to do. Let us pray.